Hey, I'm Dina. I'm Nikki. And we're your hosts for CBD Madcast. CBD Madcast is devoted to the legalization of cannabis and its impact in your community. Visit us at CannabisBeyondDope.com. Hey, Nikki. Hi, Dina. How's it going today? Great. How you doing today? I'm great. I'm just great. We're having a little hangout session between the two of us. Yeah. Instead of doing an interview with a store, we thought we'd just chat with each other and talk about our experiences going to visit shops. Yeah. We're going to be doing a business bragging session. So we went to visit West Seattle, Nimbin, and Star 21 on First Street in West Seattle. Uh, they all had very different vibes. Uh, West Seattle marijuana, it looks like. Yep, that's what I thought. And they're part of uh, 112th Street in Puyallup and also the Issaquah Cannabis Company. Cool. I yeah. was wondering if they were a chain of sorts, and I got that. Either I remembered that, or I, maybe I got that vibe just from... First of all, they had kind of an open open application process, it seemed like. When we walked into West Seattle, they had a bunch of deals, but then they also had just like a pamphlet you could take if you're interested in working there. And they seemed to be particularly veteran-friendly, which I think is a really interesting business model and probably kind of bodes well given their situation of having three stores basically on one main strip heading in towards downtown Seattle. And it isn't a bit of a no-man's land. It comes up from Burien and sits in that off-side white center, Burien, South Seattle area, the three of them together. And I find it interesting. If you go down the road a little farther, you're going to run into the joint, and a little farther from that, Cush 21. Cush 21 in Burien? Yes. These three, what's interesting is you see them all from each other. Yeah. They're just right there. Once and that's striking. Nimbin and Star. Yeah. Yep. You're in the parking lot of one. You can see the others. And West Seattle, I always enjoyed going to the Issaquah location because they had a wall of weed. And I love the idea of the, of the display because it seemed like a lot of choices. It, they were interesting choices. They were producers I hadn't seen before. That sounds like fun. And it was a destination in the early years of to go there, find stuff, open it, smell it. Because you can't do that ahead of time like you were in medical. So you don't know what you're getting. And you're hoping the strains are what you're hoping match some of the others that are out there. It was a great experience to do the smell test. That was my absolute favorite was just to pop the top and really get the nose in there Mm -hmm. and do Mm -hmm. the smell test. So those three, they have all the similar wall of weed. Yeah, yeah, the uh, West Seattle did have a kind of similar display case with some of the uh, really fine selection, I think, for what seemed like kind of narrower bookcase-style display cases. Glass. Yes, glass. Enclosed in all glass. Um, They still had plenty of things to see. And in a way that the building was laid out in that you kind of had to see them. Yes, because you funnel in one side and and you shape it right out the other yep, side and exactly. go. So it wasn't the doors in one spot and you're straight in, hit the counter straight out. You mm-hmm. definitely had to do the U. And then you would go from the cannabis to the edibles. And it would just go concentrates and then edibles. So they had each section defined within that arc. And then behind you there was some 
paraphernalia glass and such. Yeah. Yep, some cool glass. Cool glass. Cool glass. Yep. In contrast with Nimbin, which was an open layout where you walk in and there's the standard glass shot model of a whole connected on the the, that side of it on the business side as opposed to the structure of the building they set the cases up yeah so they're behind and can run that whole yeah definitely a more of an open floor plan as opposed to the u-shape of west seattle and then the kind of ma and pa small tiny bookstore style of star star is super charming i think it's such a fun store to go into it's a wonderful story of the license being able to be taken over by somebody who'd worked there for a long time so now it's hers and i'm really excited for maria who owns the shop now and she's got the same crew that have been there forever as well it is it's a fun compact little bookstore of a shop there's quite a bit in there yeah that's as opposed to the other two i think you don't realize how much is available to you which then I think you most heavily rely on the bud tenders in that kind of situation, which is in itself, you know, its own model. You know, there are so many different cannabis consumers out there and cannabis shoppers. We all have our different ways of shopping. And I think that's what makes a difference in the repeat customers is how they like to shop. And does that match your atmosphere? That makes maybe the three stores on one street viable right I mean how else They're do still they there. survive <laughs> and what's very interesting is you have a larger location like Nimbim who's got the most space out of all of them mm-hmm. and they're doubling up their inventory you've got two sections of the same store so that they can run that inventory out <laughs> they and have such hippie artwork it's it's fun (laughs) and they're very personable and it's not like any kind of a rushed experience by any means but it also has that bigger floor style behavior where they can take care of more customers you're run through a very fairly quick arc through the west seattle and and star well you basically i think like you you mentioned you know what you want so Mm -hmm. you're going in there and you're grabbing it and if the bud tender has something better to offer you you're going to listen take that and try it the other thing that really captured me was the intention of Maria for Star to not want to carry the same products as the other stores. Now there is some overlap, but when you speak about the business model, we're talking about somebody who really carefully crafts how that business is going to survive on a street where the parking's the worst. Mm -hmm. Getting in and out is super difficult on top of having maybe three spots to you right Right. next to a little convenience store. So that's going to be busy and take up your parking. And while they're going to do very well to have a apartment complex across the street that somebody can walk to, they can also walk up to the other two fairly easy as well. So to be specific about what you're going to bring in for your product line to keep your demographic happy when you've got that competition with those other two stores that are, have a lot more money behind them. Right. And are larger in footprint. Yeah. You have to take your time. You have to be able to take your time. And that's probably what's great about their model it being so small and I don't know I'm actually going to look and see if there's a difference in the average amount of time spent at each of these locations on Google you know right and not only that they're fighting against the city deciding that zoning and this is a civil issue folks this is something you actually can be involved in by communicating with a zoning commissioner and the zoning team uh, for your county it's 
vital that you get involved in your civil servants' jobs because they're your civil servants. You are them as well, right? So if you work for the post office, you're a civil servant. If you're a teacher, you're a civil servant. If you're fire or police, all of these are extraordinarily important, and those are just the popular ones. But we've got people who run the county on the clerical side and on the information side, if you will, as far as the nuts and bolts of what gets processed by the RCW codes actually being implemented as they're written. And they have to follow certain rules and do certain things, but they're all supposed to be to the benefit of us. So that translates to if you have a roundabout being put in your area and it's just sitting there, nothing's being done and your road's all torn up, email your city planner. Find out what's going on so that you know what's happening because it's up to them to decide if the roundabout goes in and it's up to them to decide how your structure of your community is based on the people in it. So it's super important to be involved, but these businesses don't necessarily have the ability to be involved in that aspect. They're taking their involvement and creating their unique retail experience to capture the variety of different people, as you mentioned earlier, Nikki, in their community. Yeah. You know, we've talked about it before. One gas station on the corner doesn't do as well as four. Right. And by the time there's four gas stations, you just have that many people that can come and hit every one of them on one direction or the other that they're going. Right. And everybody survives. So yeah. I think that we see that take maybe 10 years, 20 years, 25, 30 years for a community. And cannabis, they did it within a year. Yeah. They've all been surviving together for a year from the get. Yep. We noticed uh, definitely variety of options and as we mentioned before, a variety of styles, and it makes that area more of a cannabis destination by having three. If you have one, then it's probably rare that somebody's going to come down to that area for cannabis if there's not much else over there. But you could be like, I need to get some weed for my week, and you have now three different stores that you can pop in real quick and maybe buy a gram from each one. Maybe at the first one, you're totally satisfied. But if you're not, you can go to two more basically on your way home without going out of your way, which I think I'd be interested to know if there are many people who shop like that um, for their cannabis. But I do find that kind of incentivizing. To go to a different area because we know Seattle ha- is full of cannabis stores. It has the most cannabis stores in probably any city in Washington. Definitely King County has the most cannabis stores in any county in Washington. So, you know, that, that area kind of needs to incentivize more people to go to it. And if cannabis is the reason that they are... Yeah, I mean they are all in in line with the, with the law, I believe, which is a thousand feet from each other. So you know there is that's not that much space, but no, I there mean, is the amount of designated space mandatory. So right, it that. just seems silly that that's that that would be something that the county says. Yes, we're we're going to be super strict on this, but we're going to put everybody here, and it's almost like they want it to be a dirty little secret that there's these cannabis shops there. The same model is followed in a lot of neighborhoods in Seattle, and I actually think this one on First Ave in West Seattle is one of the easiest ones to drive in. And while parking on the side of the road may be a little bit... It's a bit precarious. Yeah, it may be a little bit less 
available just like getting into that area I feel like is one of the easier areas to navigate as far as Seattle goes you're not yet in the heart if you can get to a Seattle cannabis store without getting into Seattle there's something that is kind of nice about that and again to harken back to all of the other neighborhoods in Seattle for the most part there's cannabis stores right across the street from each other oh exactly because you have Ike's and Ruckus there across the street from each other you've got uh you've got that all around oh you go down to Bremerton area and you've got two that they've stacked next to each other Port Orchard two they've stacked next to each other and are those are you think those are the only ones in those towns because I do know that they're like there's not many in Port Orchard there's probably only two or three so if you have two right there then there's one in an offshoot and then there's one yeah exactly and that's the other thing that I find super interesting is again I think personally it's nice for the consumer that there's two kinds of coffee shops because you may not like a Starbucks and you may not or you may like Starbucks for this but like Seattle's best for that or whatever it does same with the concept with cannabis you may like that this store specializes and features this aspect and the other store features the other so whatever you are across the board you can go and have a really nice experience and support both of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that's very nice too, is I don't believe that the shops have problems with each other. I think there's enough money for everybody and enough people for everybody that there is more of a respectful consideration to that situation. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, frankly, you guys are too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you know, um, the key is not undermining each other and the key is the market not undermining each other or itself from stores who are right near each other so there's price competition. You know, try to carry different things. If you're going to carry the same growers, try to carry different strains or different products from that grower something like that and And together create that robust selection for the consumer together because again there's enough for everybody yeah because if it's like a you know competition for a dollar less here and a dollar more there that becomes a bummer for the consumer because they don't get to shop where they want to shop but they because will they want to shop there. You yeah, know? but they will bounce. You know, there was a situation with the stash box opening up next to Evergreen Market, and as soon as stash box decided to undermine pricing, then there was a huge, significant drop. And I don't think they would want to admit that, but there was a massive drop off of consumers yeah. coming into the store. They survived it. And it balanced back out again. I think they are not quite as busy as they would have been had they been the only one. I think Lucid came in and striped them as well because Lucid's also right down there. But Lucid carry a different selection. Mm -hmm. And so does the Stash Box. But the Stash Box carried enough of a variety of quality as well, but just much lower. Mm -hmm. And I think that did not serve them. So I think their prices came up because I think that's honestly when people came back to shop everybody. Yeah, and Evergreen Market kind of carries everybody right i mean they carry a they're like you know compared to stash box and lucid they probably carry the most vendors and i think then... maybe they used to but i don't honestly feel they do anymore i think that the i think that the stash box i think lucid is very limited on who they carry for mm-hmm. sure i think they output a few good strains and they're buying a few but i think they want to be the person that can put out a quarter for 35 dollars or put out an ounce for 50 bucks or something Mm -hmm. and that's okay because those growers are out there and there are people growing a whole ton of flour at that level and I think it's great that Lucid does that but they never went in I don't think to take something that wasn't theirs and and to undermine the situation I think that was their model 
that they chose to do. So I think it's a little different. They too. come to give the consumer a different option. Yeah, and that's again what the, yeah. what the crucial part of cannabis stores is, and the ones that will survive. They have created an atmosphere, and they and they maintain that for the consumer because the consumers shop at all different cannabis stores. You know, I work at a cannabis store, but if I'm in a different town, I'd love to go in to check out another store and I'm not afraid to not buy anything there either but the my favorite part is figuring out the atmosphere and talking to a bud tender and getting to know what their what the vibe of the store is like that's how I know if somebody asks me if they're going to be in that area if I will recommend a cannabis store or not right and I also like the fact that you are still seeing smaller farms available in places that you don't see them in the bigger so the city's got everybody that everybody's used to seeing when you go to the outlying areas you've got labels you don't you haven't seen before and you don't know it's like going into an what used to be for me really fun to go into an alternative food store Mm -hmm. because there was always something different and the east coast a little bit as well with here but not so much anymore with the food production but i love the idea as well to just go in and see how somebody created their business how they put something together that people rely on Mm -hmm. yeah definitely we're not um going to be seeing a decrease in cannabis consumers anytime soon i don't think and so we're only going to be seeing an increase of people visiting the cannabis stores right and i think batani agrees she's super happy to be chewing on her little yes she's chewing on her nyla bone over here yep she loves that thing yep she's just chilling with us hanging out Gerald was here. He's not right now. <laughs> he came and pawed around and showed his belly and then went off like a cat to sleep it off. Yeah. There's a lot. A lot to come out and interact. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Takes a lot out of him to come say hello. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think it was fun for us to do a new style podcast where you and I got a chance to chat about our experience going out and see what's out there. Yeah. Who's doing what. It really is about retail. Business bragging really is about, this is commerce. These are people who have started a business and they run just like a gas station, just like a, an Albertsons, just like anything, a, mm-hmm. a grocery store of any kind. It's an actual business, like a bike shop, like your favorite anywhere, a yogurt place. It's a business. And they have a very difficult time trying to create this business that the consumers are actually after. So I think it's interesting for us to be able to talk about that, but also we get to see them flourish regardless of whatever is in the way. And I think that just speaks to the need of the community and the want of the community. It wouldn't happen if there weren't people who were purchasing from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And kind of like we said, you know, there's there's no shortage of people looking to buy cannabis in a store. So the only way that the cannabis industry is not going to be successful if your cannabis retail store is not going to be successful is if you don't pay your taxes exactly if you get shut down <laughs> yeah, you get the you lcb get on your butt yeah, yeah. exactly that's, that's, what be... that's what we've seen so far yeah it's true it's really true and we've had some very interesting things that we hear about happen out of the blue that you would never expect just because there's a faux pas when it comes to the technicalities it's a very highly regulated industry and that's what i was trying to really create the impact to our listeners about is how it's surviving despite the intense level of regulation and if you think they're taxed what 46 percent stores are so so wouldn't it be a 10 billion dollar industry so that's that's the power of the voice everybody's voice is in the dollar when you spend that dollar that's your voice 
that's where you have a chance to make a difference. It's used to be at the voting booth, sort of, but honestly, it's all about where you spend your dollar. And if you want to make a change, spend your dollar somewhere else. I think we've seen that. I think more people are buying things from Goodwills and Value Villages and exactly. shopping and recycle. And I think that more people are trying to spend their money on something that elevates their life instead of sucks them in yeah. to a life that they just have to work to supply. Exactly, yep. And there's a cannabis store in every neighborhood. Every neighborhood that you shop in, that's, that's who's impacted. Literally because it's a cash industry. Yeah. That's the other thing that I think is astounding. It's quite literally a cash industry, which means that people are getting tips in ones. They're getting, I always said stripper ones, but they're getting tips in ones, so they're going and spending actual real value dollars. That increases the market value of our dollar tremendously. And this is one of the things that I really do absolutely adore about this community more this this uh, bubble I should say of the cannabis community and the cannabis wave is that it's creating the local small business in the truth of what is the dictionary definition For of sure. beneficial small business and there's nothing better for me I'm an entrepreneur at my heart I love starting businesses yeah yeah heck yeah and as we as we said 46 and a half percent taxes that these businesses have to pl have to pay it is really a a perfect small business model because you know where like, you own a small business you're making all this money like if you didn't have a bunch of money going into this you're probably not really making money yet you know we are building the foundations of the cannabis industry business owners should be putting money in to these businesses that will be around for you know maybe the next hundred years like I'd love I'd love that is the dream of the 100-year-old pot shop. Established in 2015. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's 2115, right? Small business and health, health benefits, mental health benefits, physical health benefits. It's all, there's so much potential in the cannabis industry. And the last point is, is that once we have all this money at 46%, which I love because we just the changed. The state has all this the money. The state. Yeah. And so um, because at the federal level, they just passed a uh, permanent tax break, which allows corporations to go from 35% to 21%. That's astronomically dangerous. When we did the best as a society, like you see in Sweden and other uh, places that haven't fallen to the wrong side of concept, you do very well when businesses pay 46%. And with all due respect, let's not be too boo-hoo-hoo for that because these guys are still pulling in a million dollars a month in some of these stores. A million dollars a month, not a year, a month. Mm -hmm. And they've got now three, four, five, six stores, which is why we call it business bragging and why perilous production is perilous production because the farmer's not making it and the consumer certainly isn't really making it. But retail's not hurting any at all. And for them to put in 46%, the very next beyond important step is to make sure that you're congress people from your from the constituents to your congress people that they're voting with that money to put it appropriately to put it back into mental health care to put it back into education to put it back into transit and other of the commons which is what our taxes are supposed to pay so it's supposed to be that beautiful full circle and we really need that to be an emphasis no doubt about it we're not using all this tax money to rebuild our communities and build up our communities and shore up the foundations that we believe in then then we're wasting billions and billions of dollars and our potential when we have this industry grow like this i think it really gives us a chance for the next generation to participate in what that looks like as far as how commerce can go instead of being such a world trade organization so that's just really a lot of coming out of seeing three stores on one block
<laughs> yeah, totally. The cannabis industry is a wild beast that is just snowballing. So when you see three pot stores on the street, topping them all. Yeah, stop by each one. Yep, save your money, get one little something from everybody, yeah. spread the love. They've got their own community it reaches out to. Yep, stop by each one, figure out what, what works for you. Talk to your bud tenders. They're great at all stores. Honestly, mm-hmm. they're almost every bud tender I've come into contact with. And if you find one you don't like, or if you find one that doesn't truly enjoy what they're doing, step aside and let somebody else help you because mostly bud tenders really do care a lot and they can help you any way you know. There you go. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. For more information and content, follow CBD Madcast on SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Visit us at canvasbeyonddope.com.